Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary. Maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are locked on thunder. Your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 221 of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Lockdown Thunder is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can add to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there, and leave a review once you're on that page. If you'd like to, you can give us one of those five-star reviews. That's always nice, especially when you're like 12 seconds into the episode. Just go on. You don't even know the quality yet. Just give us the five-star. You give a little review gamble. Uh, but you can find us on audioboom.com also. Log on to normantranscript.com. Check out my blog, Thunder Road. It's under the sports tab on the site, uh, and you can find all my Thunder coverage there, so all my free agency coverage, all Thunder stuff, you know, Summer League stuff I even have there, all this Orlando Summer League is now over. You can find all that there. My Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with obviously the emergency podcasts that I've done, the Robertson one and the Paul George one and everything else, and I'll continue to do those as long as there's news popping up randomly at 10.30 at night, because that's what happens. Speaking of popping up randomly at 10.30 at night, over, over, over from CBS. I'm, I'm renting him for 25 minutes. Is Matt Moore? How you doing, Matt? You're gonna get your money's worth. We'll just put it that way. You'll, you'll get your money's worth. <laughs> my, my money's worth, which is, should we be transparent and say that my money's worth is, is, is zero dollars? Is zero dollars? <laughs> you will definitely get your money's worth in that regard. I, I feel extremely confident that I'm, I'm gonna get my money's worth for that. Uh, how, how free agency is exhausting, right? It's just exhausting. What do it's, you do for your sleep schedule? I'm okay because I don't uh, – the the worst part of me for the year is really – it's finals. I've gotten better at it. It's finals into draft into free agency, and I built in a vacation in between the draft and free agency this year, so that helped a little. And then um, I'm just a little bit better about being able to maintain things. Like I get on – the playoffs are where my schedule kind of goes into into a tailspin. It's the late nights doing playoff picture in April where I'm breaking down every scenario and staying up until 2 in the morning figuring out who has tiebreaker based off of third head-to-head record versus East teams. Like, it's it gets really exhausting there. I don't sleep much anyway, so I do okay. It's the mental drain, and it's the family stress. That's what gets me because my wife, my wife just – she wants it to be the season is over. We're done. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, the draft. I understand the draft. The draft is a big deal. What? No, there's free agency. And that's when she gets mad. That's when she gets angry. <laughs> and then she did really well this year. She gave me, because I, I built in that vacation for her and we went to somewhere she wanted to go and we did the thing she wanted to do and it was all good. And then all she wanted was the 4th of July. And then Opie, Gordon Hayward, Decides to ruin the lives of hundreds of sports writers across the nation by screwing around for an entire day, just as Kevin Durant screwed them over and the state of Oklahoma the year before. Just leave the Fourth of July alone, people. This is my only request. Can I? I feel like 
if if there were a book about the personal lives of NBA writers who were in relationships, that it would be called All My Significant Other Wanted was the 4th of July. Right. <laughs> That's really – because they're never getting the 4th of July. It's never. just not happening. Like, you give out Christmas, and you're like, okay, that's fine. We get it. Christmas is a big day for the NBA. I'll make that sacrifice. It's cool. We'll do Christmas. We'll do presents in the morning, games in the afternoon. It's cool. You can break it up. You'll pick one or two games. It's fine. Um, you know, Easter, okay, sure. There, there's games going on, but you can work around it. It's kind of a dead part of the season. It's fine. All right, Memorial Day. Well, all right, that's not really like a rah-rah holiday anyway. People do stuff for it, but it's it's a somber holiday. Okay, that's fine. But like Fourth of July should be left alone, man. Like like the season's over. It should be done. It should be there should be nothing. I am fortunate this year in that usually my my anniversary is either on or around the first two nights of the NBA opener, and so I always have to kind of be plugged in to see the first couple of games. But now since they moved it back, my anniversary is like two weeks in, so I could justify being like, oh, it's like a, a normal Tuesday in the NBA. I could step out. So I'm happy. But now I say that someone will get traded. And this will not happen. But I have hopes and dreams, Fred. Well, you've only got like a really like a two month, one and a half month window where you can you can get married, <laughs> and that's that's really it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. You can get married in August. Uh-huh. So that's may- maybe beginning of September works, but that's that that's pretty much. You can miss like the players doing like their charity work when they first come back, and they're doing like that publicized charity work on like. September 12th, and there's always that media availability there. That's okay. You can miss that. You can get married on September 12th. That's all right. But come like, come like at the official transition into fall, you're, you're done. Nope. It's over. You're so I'm wondering, the Thunder have been, uh, very active. I think it's fair to say, uh, got Paul George in free agency. That trade became official. We're recording this late Thursday night. That became official. Earlier today, the NBA's moratorium is officially over, so Paul George is now officially on the Thunder. That probably should have led the show if I were a responsible podcaster, but I'm not. And uh, Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis are officially Indiana Pacers. The Andre Robertson agreed to come back. That deal isn't yet official. Patrick Patterson came on a three-year deal. He agreed with the Thunder. That deal's not yet official, too. What I mean, the Thunder really across the league and across national media, local media, I think have gotten a lot of praise for myself included for the off season that they've had. And I'm just wondering through three moves, they still have some other stuff to do. I'm wondering where you fall in the, uh, in, in what Sam Presti has done this summer so far. Genius. Wild E coyote, super genius, just incredible from start to finish pulling the Paul George move out of nowhere. Like everyone was like, well, the Thunder are locked in. There's just not a lot they can do. It's probably going to be a quiet offseason. I heard I heard two weeks before free agency started, I was talking to some league people, and they were like, watch out for the Thunder. And I was like, what are you talking about? They can't do anything. And they are like, just this is when Presti does stuff, like when there's no noise whatsoever about him. Watch out. So can nowhere. I, can I, can I nope. cut you off for a sec? Yeah. Because that, that really reminds me of a conversation that I had, which is a story I was going to tell. On this podcast, so you kind of gave me a perfect transition, which is like I was talking to somebody. I had an extremely similar conversation with somebody in the league who doesn't work for the Thunder, and we were just having a we were having a conversation about like the the Thunder is just they're essentially their inflexibility, right? Or I should say, their seeming inflexibility with their roster. And we were saying, you know, everybody here, and and this person was talking about the team that they work for. 
and and they were saying every everybody here like realizes that Thunder are are kind of screwed with the position that they're in, but everybody's just kind of like they're going to do something because Sam is smarter than us and he's going to figure it out. But but nobody knows what it's going to be or how the heck he's going to do it because honestly, it doesn't make any sense. It's just purely based on faith in Sam. And then yeah, it happened. It, it's it's crazy. Like I mean, and he's done this consistently, and he does it out of nowhere. No one saw the Kendrick Perkins trade happening. No one. No one saw that coming. No one saw the Harden trade coming. No one. No one really saw the Ibaka trade. Like we, they there was a, a lot of indications that they were going to move Ibaka at some point, but not like oh. The Thunder are talking about someone. It was just like, oh, he's traded. He's gone. That's it. And now like, they acquire Paul George. They get Patrick Patterson on an absurd number, like just a ridiculously low ball price. And then, to top it all off, I thought the deal they got for Andre Robertson was a steal. I thought he was going to get way more, way more in this market. Incredible job all around. This team is going to be great next year. It won't be the Warriors, but it's going to be really good. It's going to be really, really good. They're going to have a good chance to keep both those guys. If they miss, they miss. They took the shot. They gambled, and they gambled smart. It's awesome. Just everything, A-pluses all around. I kind of like the way you said that. They gambled smart. Like, that's kind of what this is, right? Because, like, with Paul George specifically, like, the worst-case scenario is you got a contract that you didn't love off your hands in Victor Oladipo, and you let go of a power forward who – you think is going to be – I mean the Thunder likes Sabonis, but I think they think he's going to be like a good contributor. They don't think he's going to be like a star or anything like that. They think he's going to be like a really solid player who can be a rotation player on a, on a playoff team. And I tend to agree with that. I think he's going to be a good player. But if that's what you're giving up for a year, Paul George, a contract that you didn't really want and was it was kind of kind of making you inflexible like we were calling it before and, and, and that future third big who you don't even know for sure is going to be – that third big or maybe like solid starting power forward or wherever he's going to be. That's fine. That's, that's a good way to gamble. Like that's a good worst case scenario. There's just, you know, if if, (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like, look, if Westbrook leaves, it's over. Everything is terrible. Like if Westbrook leaves, everything is terrible and there's no, like there's no hope. And there's just, there's, there's nothing like you are starting over from scratch. So you should do everything possible to avoid that happening. That is what you should do. Is you should do everything possible to avoid that from to occurring, and to a large degree, like that's what they've done. They've done if if they lose Westbrook, they did everything they could to keep Durant. They did everything they could, and they lost him. And they've done everything they can to keep Westbrook. And if they lose him, you shake your head, like you throw up your hands. You go, look, we did, we did what you did what you could. And in that case, if they have to rebuild, if there's one guy I want rebuilding, guess who I want? I want Sam Presti. That's the guy I want rebuilding the squad. Yeah, I mean, he's got as good of a drafting resume as any other general manager in the NBA right now. There's no question. He, he has 2007 to 2009 is probably the greatest draft stretch of any general manager ever. Granted, that was a long time ago, but he's made good picks since. I mean, Andre Robertson at 26 ended up a really good value pick. Steven Adams' late lottery ended up a good value pick. There are other guys too. Great, great value. Reggie Jackson at 18 was was really good value. There, there, there are other guys who are who are good value in there as well. Like they've and they've they've swindled some trades too. The Chicago trade was a really good deal, if only because they got 
that uh, that Chicago unprotected second round pick in 2018, which is now looking like it could be really, really good. And and I think is possible is an asset that they end up moving to improve at some point, uh, you know, maybe maybe to absorb somebody into that four point nine million dollar trade exception that they have. I think that's a real possibility. Uh, so so they've got a little bit more flexibility than they did before. I'm I'm really curious uh, what they're going to do with it, assuming that they are willing to to spend on a backup point guard. When I say spend on a backup point guard, I mean they would be willing to take somebody into the trade exception. Um, and obviously then they have minimum contracts to hand out. Is there, I, I don't know if you've thought about this. I, I don't know if you've, you've thought about them on such a micro level. Is there anybody available for you, whether on the trade market or, or whether, uh, you know, on the free agent market right now that stands out to you? No. <laughs> the answer is... <laughs> No, this free agency class is pretty bad overall. Like, it's just not a great free agency class. Like, everyone, because it, it, you know, it's like, well, it's got Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin. And it was like, well, okay, that you know, those guys were were likely going to be with their teams. Like, Blake was kind of a question mark. Um, you know, going into the season, especially, we thought Chris Paul wasn't. We, we didn't think Chris Paul or Blake Griffin were going to move. And then, obviously, you know, Paul goes to goes to Houston. But you know, overall, like, there's just not a lot of of great names on the list. I just don't think that this is a great free agency class, and that impacts the depth. And those guys have kind of been been snatched up. It's not great on point guards either. Um, if you if you just kind of look at it overall, um, you know, if you think the uh, CJ Miles is really more of a two guard, but if you think that you can run him out, he's good value if he wants to, to latch onto a winner. Um, it be Ian Clark's out there, and I assume CJ Miles CJ Miles did sign an offer sheet. With the Thunder back in the day, yeah. So, so there you go. There's some history. I think I actually think he would be pretty good, right? Because it's like all you need is somebody that can. Because most of the second units hopefully are going to feature if they stagger. If Donovan staggers them, which he didn't do as much with Russ and KD as people wanted, but if he staggers them, you know, PG's bringing the, the ball up the, the court half the time when Russ is on the bench. So you could kind of get away with that. Um, let's see, Trey Burke, I think is out there. I believe yeah, he's Trey available. Trey Burke is out there. Bano Udre is out there. Shelvin Mack is out there. Um, um, here's yes. one. D- yeah. Deal off, deal off cash considerations or like a future protected second rounder or something to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie. Go get him. That's you know, one. Somebody else suggested that to me too. He's good. Spencer Dinwiddie's good. He's he is he is capable of being a good NBA player on the right team. He is. I think he could be good. Like he was with the Bulls, and no one's good with the Bulls. I would really like to cover him. He seems like an awesome guy. He's really smart. He's, he he is a very like smart young. He is a very smart young man. He seems um, really smart. He's very smart on Twitter. I, I did a feature on him last year at summer league, and he was he was interesting. He was interesting to talk to. I enjoyed I enjoyed my conversation with him. Um, that's pretty much the list. Like that's it. Ma- Sheldon Max off the board, right? I think I remember he got an offer. Did Sheldon Mack get an offer? And I just completely missed it and misspoke. If he's not, if Max available, go get Sheldon Mack. Are we uh, are we gonna do some live? live We're doing live right googling because I can't keep track of all of them. I've got most of them in my head, but yeah, no, he's still out there. Yeah, go he's get still him. out there. That's yeah, go I get thought. Shelvin Mack. He's he's perfect. Go get him. Yeah, he'd that's, be good. That's good. He's fine. I mean, that's he's, the thing is, like, at this point, at this point, free at this point, free agency. That's all you're getting. Like you're only getting fine. Right, that's and the I mean, they only have minimum software out there anyway because they gave the taxpayer mid level to Patrick Patterson. Where where do you think they stand? I mean, it's early to be doing this. They still have to fill out their roster. Other people, you don't have to give me an exact number. You don't have to say if they're fourth <laughs> or third or whatever. It's no, I got it. I got no, I got it in my head. Where, I've already, which, I've already, 
I've already got it in my head. What um, tier? What tier are they? I I think the Warriors are a tier on their own, and then there's like four tiers between them and everybody else, and then there's San Antonio and Houston, and then I think it's the Thunder. I think the Thunder are. The question's going to be, are they going to be? Is Paul George going to open up enough spacing for them? Can they actually have spacing and be able to compete from the three point line? That's going to be a question. Can Patterson help in that regard too? Can they consistently knock down three pointers enough to compete? Because last year they were just they were just such a anvil and hammer team and just beat you to death with Russell Westbrook. And I think that you need a little bit more spacing for him to kick to. Um, that's why again CJ Miles would be really great to the point where I would I would I would be more I would be happier with having another shooter like Miles rather than having a point guard. Like I just feel like you could you could figure out someone to bring the ball up. Honestly, in the way that this league is at this point, like who cares who brings the ball up? Like everybody's bringing the ball up now. I just look at at where they're at in the West, and I, I legitimately think that this team they're gonna be great defensively. Russ and PG are gonna give them enough offense. They're gonna be a pain to play every night. Teams are gonna dread playing them. They already dread playing Westbrook. It, it's gonna be dealing with Westbrook and PG, who George just fits so well next to him. I think they're going to win a ton of games. I think they're going to be a lot better. The other thing I would say is I've seen this. Teams have a drop-off in terms of there's like a hangover when a star player leaves. It just kind of it takes a year to get over it. I think they get over that next year. They're much better. I think that they're legitimately the fourth-best team in the Western Conference. I, I, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the offseason plays out. Spurs got Rudy Gay today, which I, I, I'm not – high on Rudy Gay as a player, but obviously when a guy goes to the Spurs, like he's obviously a, a very skilled player. And if, if the Spurs were able to hone those skills and like Spurs eyes him and turn him into like a, a good guy off the bench, then like that's, you know, maybe that's something that helps them. And they're obviously going to be really good. They were really good last year, even though they've got, you know, the Tony Parker health issues and all that. I, I'm really excited with the Thunder specifically. You know what I'm most excited for? This is like, and you know what? You are the perfect person for me to say this to because you're like such a basketball nerd. And I mean that in the most endearing way possible. You are, you are such a, you're, you're the person who gets less excited for the stars and more excited to see like what the sun's pick and roll coverage is going to be in game 43 against like the Kings. And what I'm excited for is to see how many different types of switchy lineups defensively that they're going to be able to show out against the top offensive teams in the league. The Warriors, Houston, those sorts of teams. And I'm so curious because last year they just like gorged on conventional big men, right? They brought in Ersan Eliasova. They brought in Joffrey Laverne. They brought in Sabonis. Uh, they even traded for Jeremy Grant uh, to the point that now they think he's a big, but they played him at three because they had so many bigs and so few threes. And – they kind of got rid of a bunch of those guys. They've gotten rid of all of those since then, and they've gotten rid of Taj Gibson since then, obviously, except for Grant. And now Grant is going to be a full-time four, and I, I think he's got a long way to go defensively before he's way more effective, but they're really excited about his defensive potential, and the reasons are obvious as to why. And I think they're going to play him as a defensive-minded guy off the bench at the four a lot more than at the three this year, maybe even at the five more than at the three, given a, you know depending on how the rest of this roster ends up shaking out. I'm excited to see those lineups. They have like Robertson and Paul George and Jeremy Grant 
and and Patterson, or or you can have Adams in there, and like there are all these different options. We'll see how they fill out the rest of the roster. Maybe they get one or two more guys who end up fitting this description, just at minimums, who can contribute in sparse situations in that sort of way. Like it's that's an exciting. There's some defenses that are really good, but they're not as fun to watch. Just like there's some offenses that are really good and they're not as fun to watch. I think those really athletic, switchy like communicative types of defenses to me are the most fun to watch. And I feel like this could be an extremely, regardless of effectiveness, and I think it will be very good, but I think it could be one of the most fun defenses to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I totally do. You and James Herbert should hang. Cause that's how James is. James wants everybody to switchy, switchy, switch, switch. Um, I'm a blitz guy. I want you just absolutely tearing the ball out of their hands. That's what, that's what I want is I want like a- athletic, long, aggressive bigs, that just shield you off to the to the edge when you're trying to run pick and roll and you're running towards the sideline and you're like, why am I going here? And then you turn around and the guard is swiping at you and it's complete chaos. And so you wildly throw the ball over your head and somebody else picks it off and goes the other way. Basically what the Heat did for three years when they had the, the triad. Right. That's like that's that's how I really that that's how I really like uh that's the defense I really like. At the same time, I think the the, the Thunder will be able to do that a lot where they just stymie teams and stymie teams and stymie teams and then gamble because they're a gambling team and I think they'll they'll still create a high number of turnovers and go the other way and have lots of fast break opportunities, mostly because Russ will never stop gambling ever. Um and that's gonna be really fun. I think I'm excited for kind of what their dynamics are gonna look like. I'm I'm really excited for the Steven Adams bounce back year. That's coming, and I'm very excited about it. Like, that's going to be – he is going to be way better next year, I think, because of the presence of Paul George. And he is going to get so many screen assists, it's going to be nasty. Like, he – when they're running Paul George on curls to the elbow and Adams is laying guys out, I mean, he's just going to be dropping fools, and Paul George is going to get so many clean looks off catch and shoots. It's going to be – it's it's going to be really impressive. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch. They're going to be there's just so much that they're going to be able to do, and it's exciting. It's it's and I'm glad that it wasn't just like all right, they had this really crazy Russell Westbrook year, and now it's like all right, well now what? Well, now, Sam Presti's like, well now we trade for Paul George. That's now what? And we're only going to do Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. I do want to ask you: Are the Thunder folks sad about losing Sabonis? Because I know that they were pretty high on him as an organization. Yes, they're sad about losing Sabonis. I think they're emotionally sad about losing Sabonis because legitimately every single person in that organization really likes him personally. If you ask people, he's one of the rare players that if you ask, and obviously he's not the only person like this, he's one of the rare players that when you ask people around the Thunder, like, so what's Sabonis been like? And it was like this from the very beginning. The first thing that you get, the first descriptor, has nothing to do with basketball. It's just about him as a person. People, everyone just really liked him. His teammates loved him. Anthony Morrow said he was the best rookie that he ever had. Like many, many of, and many of those guys kind of latched on with Morrow and they were like, oh yeah, he's totally the best. And I think secretly the reason why was because he just kind of did everything. Like he did, he did all of like, you know, like the carrying towels and like the hazing work that rookies are supposed to do and just like didn't care because he's just this quiet unassuming, super, like super sweet guy. Uh, but I think they're, I think they're upset about it uh, more. I get the a feeling that like, they're just kind of going to miss him in the locker room more than they're going to miss him on the court. Like they, they've got bigs, you know, like I think they definitely think he's going to be a good player. I don't think they made this trade because like they were lower on Sabonis than the rest of the league. I don't think that's the case at all. 
I actually think they might be higher on Sabonis than the rest of the league. They like they like Sabonis a lot. They they think he's going to be a, a really solid player. But you know, I think he was the centerpiece. I think he was the centerpiece of the trade. I legitimately think so, but like no one realizes this. I legitimately think that Pritchard probably thought like Pritchard and Presti were both in agreement that Sabonis is the best player in the trade. Not outside of PG, obviously. Like he was better than 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 Oladipo, who I like a lot. I like Oladipo and want good things for him and feel bad about how much crap he's getting for everything that has happened when he did not really deserve it. Um but I, I think that I think that, that both of them would agree that Sabonis' ceiling is considerably higher than Oladipo's at this point. I feel bad for Oladipo too. Like he's he's a he's a good player. I, I think that contract is much is too much for him, but he's a he's a he's a good player. He's a contributor who had a, a really solid year last year. Pre- pretty good on both sides of the ball. He's like an above average player on both sides of the ball, and now he's just kind of getting you know dra- dragged all over the place because you know he's not as good as Paul George, and and I always feel for a guy when. The coverage could be he's good. He's just not nearly as good as Paul George. Uh, and instead, it kind of turns to, what are they doing for Oladipo? He's terrible. Look at this. The contract is too much, and, and he, he doesn't get to the free throw line enough, and, and all the negatives start coming out. And all those things are true, but I just feel like the framing is kind of in, in, a little bit too sensational. And, like, you can make your point without that sensationalism. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you just don't need to – I mean – and. The reality is we don't know what the best Victor Oladipo looks like because a lot of times guys will make the leap after they get the first, after they get the contract. When they get the extension, everyone's like, why did he get that money? And then the year after, he goes big. Well, last year, he was in a new system in a new city in a new <laughs> with a player that's – if you're a guard, is kind of tough to fit next to. If, if you're like used to having the ball at all, it's kind of hard to play with Russell Westbrook. Um, he's going to have a lot less pressure and a lot less attention, and he's going to be able to, I think, develop a little bit more in Indiana. I think he could wind up being really good. I don't think he's ever going to be a star, but I think he could wind up being a very good player. And, you know, I think that uh, – look, Pritchard's offer was was bad. There's no getting around that. Like, this Thunder got an absolute steal. Like, there's there's no scenario in which, in which Sam Presti was like, I don't know. Uh like, he may have faked that when, when Pritchard was like, well, we'll do it for Oladipo and Sabonis. He may have gone, ooh, Sabonis. Oh, man, I don't know. We're going to have to call you back. i got to think on this. And then, like, immediately was like, yeah, I guess we'll do it. You know, we'll do it. All right. Okay. But in reality, it would just be like, yes, we are doing that. Yes, absolutely. 100. Let's go. Two quick observations. First, I, I, I'll, I'll say my first thing is that I wouldn't be totally shocked if part of the reasoning behind this deal was that there are people who work for the Thunder in like important positions who just think Alex Abrines is going to be really good. And they think that he's in a position to be a legitimate contributor to the two guard. And I think if they think that highly, highly of Alex Abrines and you've got, you know, you have the opportunity to have Paul George and you plan on bringing back Andre Robertson, you plan on getting another backup point guard, you have Russell Westbrook, then all of a sudden, especially when he's on that bigger deal, Victor Oladipo, he's not. He's not superfluous, but he's not completely necessary when you have the opportunity to go out and get a Paul George. And I think that also is something that could have very well and probably did contribute to their uh, decision-making in this because there are a lot of people with the Thunder who think that Alex Abrinas is like ready to be 
an extremely good shooter, maybe not even off the bench, but as a starter. And I, I think Robertson is going to end up starting now, but as a starting caliber shooter, uh, he, he was excellent as a shooter at the end of the year. And that, that was a, he was, you know, that's, that was a rookie the last four months, he shot like 42% from three. So I think that's something that has to be taken into account as well. My question for you though, the second thing, give me on a scale of one to 10, with just how many, how many great players are in the West compared to the East? Scale of 1 to 10, how shocked you would be if Victor Oladipo were like the last or second to last guy on the East All-Star team last year? Oh, year. God. Oh. Um. like, couldn't he be like, like uh, who's, who's a one-time, like Jamal McGlure? Couldn't he be a Jamal McGlure say- All-Star? I will say, on a scale of 1 to 10, I will only give it a 3. And the reason is because in order to make the All-Star team in that kind of situation, you are going to have, like, the team has to be surprisingly good, and the Pacers are not going to be surprisingly good. We were looking at their roster today on our podcast on CBS, and it's, like, literally, it's Thad, it's Miles Turner, Thad Young, and that's it. Like, of their top five scorers and VORP players, that's it. Like, everyone is gone. Because you have to remember, it's that they lost Paul George, they lost Jeff Teague, they lost, they're losing CJ Miles, and they're losing Lavoy Allen, who was one of their best bench bigs. Like, they are losing everyone. And in return, they've got Darren Collison, Victor Oladipo, Turner, and like whatever else fills it, it's it's gonna be bad. So no, I do not think Victor Oladipo can make it. Make it, but if it happens, that would be a great story, and I'm sure everyone in Oklahoma would be rooting for him and be like, "Oh, that's great, good for the kid." Um, are you? What what is like the worst case scenario in your mind for this situation with PG from the, the Thunder's what's, perspective or Indiana? Yeah, from the for, from the Thunder's perspective, what's the worst case scenario for next season? The worst case scenario... Barring injury. Outside of injury, obviously. Right, right, of course. That's always the go-to. The worst case scenario is everybody gets hurt on the first day of the season, and then they lose a lot. Uh, The worst case scenario, barring injury, I would say is Paul George doesn't like playing next to Russ, can't get comfortable next to him. Russ still decides to play the exact same brand of basketball that he played next year, either because that's what he wants to do or because he's just now gotten into that position. Like, you know, when like, uh, you know, when like you, you, you wean yourself off of something, like, let's say you, you wean yourself off of dessert and then, and then you, or any sort of addiction, I guess you wean yourself off of whatever addiction that you have. And then, and then almost like an alcoholic, you have one shot and all of a sudden you're back into it, you know? Um, I, I I get the feeling that with Russ, maybe it's not so simple as, okay, now Paul George here, he can take a step back. And I don't think that means that, like, he's going to have a 42% usage playing next to Paul George. But last year could have been that, like, that shot that he took. And I in a worst-case scenario, maybe he's just incapable of going back to playing next to another star, and then Paul George isn't necessarily happy, and it doesn't work stylistically because of that. They end up just not meshing on a personal and a uh, and an on court level, so the offense doesn't work. Specifically, the half court offense doesn't work. Uh, Paul George isn't happy; knows he's going to leave. Uh, the defense kind of falls apart because the offense isn't doing well, and everything falls apart from there on. I think that's probably the word. Like you know what you're going to get from Robertson. 
you know, like the, you know, maybe Adams in this scenario maybe just stays the same as he was last year as opposed to taking a leap, which I think he's going to do. I thought it would be last year, but I think we all have to acknowledge specifically with a 23 year old that progression is not linear. And just because Steven Adams kind of stayed the same last year, that doesn't mean that he's not going to improve again because he's improved in his career. And I think he'll continue to do it for at least another couple of years before he gets to whatever type of player he's going to be. And I still think he's going to be a, a very good center in this league. Maybe he doesn't necessarily improve in a worst case scenario. You know, the younger guys too, you know, Jeremy Grant doesn't, is the same player and doesn't turn all that raw athletic ability into anything else. And Abrinas is, you know, Abrinas kind of falls off. McDermott proves to be unplayable defensively and they just kind of meander through the season. Maybe they end up with a low playoff seed. Maybe with how good the West is, they don't end up in the playoffs at all because of that. But that's, that's my, that's my worst case scenario with it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, the thing to me, I think, is just if I've seen these players on these one-year rentals go bad, and it's rarely a player of Paul George's caliber where he's made the star. But, like, uh, here's a comparison. Andre Iguodala was an all-star in the Eastern Conference, and he was traded to Denver in the last year of his deal because Denver was willing to make a swing. Masai Ujiri thought that he was a player worth investing in to try and gamble on it. And they were pretty confident they could get him to resign because they were a good team, and they wound, they wound up winning 57 games that season um they were the third seed in the east they were a really good team or in the west rather they were a really good team that season and Iguodala had told me the whole year like well I'm more of a city guy I was like okay and then he would mention things like well I'm really into the tech industry mm, okay okay and then obviously came the playoff series and he helped the Warriors win and then by telling them about the, the team's plan on Steph Curry and then departed in free agency forum and just left them cold. Now, there's a lot of context to that in that George Carl got fired and Masai Ujiri left and George Carl and he didn't get along great, but it's kind of started to get along. But, you know, there was a, like a lot of reasons why Iguodala went to the Warriors. But when you have a situation where PG has made it known he likes L.A. and then Oklahoma City is not L.A. and then basically spending a year with a ball dominant guy. And like you said, like that creates tension. He never really feels comfortable. He doesn't like being the non number one. Cause that's, you know, there are just guys that want to be the number ones. Like LaMarcus Aldridge is like that. LaMarcus, when LaMarcus Aldridge reportedly on a, on a flight had to be, you know, kind of talked down by Ime Udoka into, Hey, you're still going to be able to get your 25 points per game because that was a concern for him. I knew right then and there that the Spurs he was not going to fit into the Spurs' plans, and eventually they were going to look to trade him, which they have looked to trade him and have been unable to. Um, there are just certain th- things that you can tell about this, and so I worry about if Paul George really is like, I just really want to go to LA. Is he ever going to be in a situation where he says to himself, "I'm cool with being in Oklahoma for the next five years"? For those of you listening to this in the Oklahoma area who may think this is typical big media bias. Uh, my family is from Kirkley. Like, I grew up in northwest Arkansas. I know Oklahoma. I know Oklahoma. And I love Oklahoma in a lot of ways. So I don't say that out of a bias. I'm just saying NBA players that want to go to go to L.A., if they're dead set on it, convincing them to stay in Oklahoma City is going to be tough. They are going to have to win a lot of games. It's going to have to be a lot of fun. If he fits in the culture, which that team, I think, has really good culture, and that's one of the things that upset me most about the Kevin Durant aftermath is how people tried to make it seem like the thunder weren't a class organization which is crap like they treat their players well they foster a community of like feeling like family they take care of their guys there's a good locker room there 
if George is, if it's in there and it's like, this is great. I love this. Like these guys are awesome. That's going to help a lot. But to me, if it goes badly and at the trade deadline, you're like, all right, he's clearly leaving. We have to get something for him. And you're taking, you're now down from a one year rental on Paul George to a two month rental on Paul George. Now you're in real trouble and you might up getting even less. Like it's possible that the return that they get for Paul George in that situation is worse than Victor Oladipo. And DeMontis a bonus. So that, I think, to me, is the, is the worst-case scenario. Because, look, around it, I think, is, is pretty good. And, I mean, from there, the path is, all right, George leaves. They they struggle in the playoffs. They get knocked out and then rust apart. That's, like, the nightmare scenario. The extension could come in any moment, and then that's that's solved. But if it doesn't happen, that, to me, is like, all right, now you're looking at a rebuild, and your best player is Steven Adams, and then it's, like, Enos Cantor? And that's a concern. Are they ever going to be able to move Canner? Is that ever going to be able to happen? Are they going to find anybody to take him? No, I don't think no. so. This is like my this is my rampage. People are like, just move Canner for like you know a pick or something. I'm like, no, they can move Canner for a pick. Guess what they would do? They would move Canner for a pick. There's a reason they have moved Canner for a pick. It's because they can't move him for a pick. Like <laughs> how many? How many? Like, it's, it, it kills me. It kills me. It's like, well, why don't you just, you know, sell your Apple for $500? It's like, no, because Apple's cost like, cost like 75 cents from the dude on the corner of the street, and you'd rather buy that one than no Apple is worth $500. Like, Ennis Canner is an offense first, and long listeners of this podcast, dedicated listeners of this podcast are going to be like, oh my god, no, he's saying this again. This is like the 12th time Fred has said this in the last three weeks. <laughs> but offense first, defense, defense like not centers are just, there's no market for them. Like Nikola Vucevic has been on the market, and there's nothing, and he's cheaper, and he's probably a better defender than Canner, even though he's not a good defender, he's better than Canner. And Greg Monroe's on the market, and he's about the same price, but he's a better player than Canner, and 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 I think a better defender than Canner for sure. Nobody's really biting on him. Jaleel Okafor is on a rookie deal; is like 21 or 22 years old, and he's not as good as Canner, but he's the same type of player, and people won't even take him for free. That just type of player is just tough. Look at all the centers who are on the free agent market now, and just no one's really giving them money. Everyone's giving money to wings and that kind of stuff. Canner, meanwhile, is up for like $18 million this year and and whatever it is, 18 points something the following year and a player option, which he'll probably pick up. And it's 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 tough. I, I don't really know how, how movable that is. I mean, Sam Presti is, is so good at this stuff and seems to win every trade over the last year and a half, so... Maybe he ends up doing it and, and making this deal that to me seems illogical, but I just would be really surprised if that's something that they end up being able to do. That's the end of okay. my rant. That's the end of my rant. Does that make okay. sense? Does that make sense? Yes, it makes, it makes absolute sense. It makes, it makes absolute sense. And the other thing is no one's able to move bigs right now. Like No one's able to move bigs in this market. No one. Everyone's got bigs and no one can move them. I mean – Denver gets unending crap for the use of Nurkic trade. They couldn't find a target. They were looking. They uh, two different people said to me, "We don't want to move him in the Western Conference." They moved him in division. And if you think, well, that's stupid on their part. Yeah, I would agree. It was probably dumb, but that's where the market was for him. They couldn't find anybody to take him because nobody wants immobile bigs. Nobody. They only want switchy, switchy, switch light mobile bigs. Everybody wants a Draymond. Everybody and, and wants you know Draymond. What, it's it's not even like. Even the switchy, switchy young athletic bigs are tough. Like Nerlens Noel, granted he was going to be a free agent, but he only garnered two second round picks in Justin Anderson. Like it's not like this like 
guy in his early 20s who has already proven at a young age that he can anchor a, a top 15 defense without very many good defenders around him. He's already proven that. Like, he has done that. They were 12th in defense a couple years ago and only really had, like, Robert Covington as a notably good defender around him. And Covington wasn't even as good then as he is now. Norris Noel has proven that he's a really good defender and that he's a versatile defender, and he's probably going to end up being a, a good role guy and 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 a good screener and, like, a, a, a capable offensive center, and, and they could only get two seconds and Justin Anderson for him. Like, and that's the opposite style of player of Cantor. That's the style that people want that you're talking about. It's just hard. The market for bigs is pretty, pretty absent. It's not great. It's not great, but, you know, so that's like the nightmare scenario is like they're stuck with, they're stuck with, you know, I'm sure, I mean, Cantor's, when's Cantor's deal up? Is it next year or the year after? Cantor's, Cantor's got a player option for 18-19. So he's free. That's perfect. Could be a free agent 18, but I'm sure he'll pick up the player options, like 18.6 or 18.9 or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. Unless he just I mean, wants look, long-term security. It depends. But, but there's not going to be a ton of cap space probably next summer. And, true. And I, he's still young. Like, he's still 25. Like, he'll be 26 <laughs> next summer. Like he but here's just, the thing. He the the, the Nets will still have space. The Nets will still have space. That's, that, that is another thing. We'll bring it full circle. That is another thing that could be a, a book about an NBA writer. The Nets the Nets will still have space. Space, space that, and no picks. I've joked that the Nets are, you know, I like what they've done. Like, I like every single move that they've made. Like, I like the Otto Porter deal. It's perfect. Like, if you're going to, if you're not, if you want to get him, get him. And it's not going to hurt you because you're not going to be good for four years. Like, the length of his contract, you're not going to be good. And they poisoned the heck out of that offer for Washington. Just poisoned it. Like, front-loaded it. Trade kickers, player option, everything. Like, everything in the world that would make Washington, like, pump fake on it. They have done with that contract. But I've joked that the Nets essentially are, um, and was the Kings before their spending spree where they got Zebo and George Hill and Vince Carter. Um, those teams were the, the arrested development. There's always money in the banana stand. There's always the, the nets with cap space. Like that's, they're always out there for an agent to go get money. That's why it's surprising. Some of the deals that went down this year is you look at the kind of offers that have been given and they really are way less than we kind of anticipated. I would have thought a lot of these agents would have gone out and just gone to the nets and been like, well, surely you want to give give you want to top this offer, right? I just would have every offer that if I was negotiating with a team with cap space, I would have gone back to the Nets and been like, "They're going to give this. Can you beat that?" And the Nets would probably be like, "Yeah, I can beat that. We can beat that for sure." And then maybe just simply that the, the players are like, "No, I'm not going to Brooklyn. There's no way." But I just think it's funny that that um, the Nets haven't been used more as a bargaining tool, or maybe they have, and maybe I just don't know it. Maybe that's where the market is. But it's been funny to see some of these lesser deals. Although tonight was crazy. Like today is the big spending day. Today is the, we are desperate and we have no cap space. Let's go get whoever's left. <laughs> yes, it is. James Johnson and Kelly Olynyk and Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. How pissed is Andre Robertson about Tim Hardaway Jr.? Yeah, well, I, I told I you that know, Tim man. Hardaway Jr. was going to get more than twice as much guaranteed money as Andre Robertson three days ago. What would your reaction have been? I just would have spit. I just would have spit <laughs> on the ground and cursed. I just... It's amazing. And like credit, you know, and if, if Roberson basically was like, hey, it's cool. I'll come back. I want to be a part of this Then That's great. And good on Presti for doing it. But I also, like, I've been around about this all day. Like RFA has got to go. 
or is it the free like the players union in, in down the line has got to give up some sort of chip and get rid of RFA. Like it's just ruining guys earning potential long term because it affects your race structure. That's what people don't get is like it affects your your race structure down the line and. You know, look, I, I don't make millions. I think uh, they should all be glad that they make millions. I think it's the only reason that they're able to make this is because of an arbitrary societal construct that values sports. Like, sure, like I, I'm into all of those arguments, but you still have to look at it from the perspective of in your job, you want to be able to make the most money that you can based on your abilities. And that's not how the NBA is. And I get it for max players that you have to have some sort of limit. And I actually want that because I don't want like LeBron making 80 million and then another guy's making two. It may be that he's that worth that and the rest aren't, but I still don't want that. Like I think that basketball, a team sport, you have to have those other guys and they should be paid within range of, of each other. At the same time, RFA really drives me crazy because there's restricted free agency stuff where no one can get an offer because they know that they're going to match. It just it limits what these guys are able to earn over time, and that's costing them money when they haven't done anything wrong. Like the market should determine your value under the cap limits. The market should should determine your value based off of how well you played and how much of a, a benefit you are to the team. Andre is obviously valuable to the Thunder. He's way more valuable than his contract. But nobody was going to make an offer because they were like the Thunder are clearly going to match this, so we're not going to go after him. So we have we have developments on Thunder Twitter, Matt. I was going to conclude the podcast, but but we have development, major developments on Thunder Twitter. So I, I wasn't going to talk about this story. Do you see the Andre Robertson tipping story? No, I was okay. I wasn't going to talk about this because it's gossip and it's stupid and it's TMZ. But like now, I have to because stuff is going down on Thunder Twitter, and it is incredible. So. Andre Robertson earlier today, TMZ Sports reported that a a waiter tweeted out. Oh, uh, the, I did see this. I yeah, did so see. a waiter a waiter tweeted out that on a on a on a four hundred eighty seven dollar bill, Andre Robertson, uh, Andre Robertson tipped thirteen dollars and and showed the receipt. And then Robertson immediately responded on Twitter because the waiter added Robertson and called him out for just getting a big contract and giving a small tip. And uh, Robertson said that they just got one bottle at a bar and there was no service. It wasn't even a situation with service. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it wasn't even a situation where you tip. I just gave $13 to make it $500. And so then Andre Robertson, because he was getting added like crazy because then TMZ reported it and a bunch of other like blogs and stuff ran it. Andre Robertson then just tweeted about an hour later, in other news, exclamation point, where is at Ennis underscore Canner and real Stephen Adams? These days, hope you're doing good, Brodies. And Stephen Adams has just responded to that tweet. We just out here tipping more than $13. (laughs) (laughs) And, And now Canner has responded to Adams. Oh, no, please don't do that to him. Please. This is this is a great moment for Thunder Twitter. I'm dead. I'm just dead. Oh my god, that's funny. That is yeah. so funny. You know, uh, my favorite tipping story uh, is in 2008. Eight, I went to summer league for the first time, and it's a well-known kind of fact in, in NBA circles that one of the players' favorite uh, restaurants to dine at on the road is Cheesecake Factory. 
because it has a wide it has this huge menu of a lot of different options. They're open late, and um, the portion sizes are huge, and players obviously have to eat a lot because they have to keep up the calorie count. So they love Cheesecake Factory. So I, I went to with with my my associate uh, at the, then AOL Fan House, rest in peace. I went with Matt Watson, uh, and we went and we talked to the staff at the at the Cheesecake Factory at Caesars in Las Vegas at the shops at Caesars Palace, and discovered all sorts of interesting things. The best among them was we asked like, well, who's like your favorite NBA player that comes by, and they all said, oh, Sheed. Definitely Sheed. And I said, well, why? And they said he would just hang out at the bar while his wife shopped and his kids would play in the fountain. He'd make sure they didn't, like, cause trouble. And then inevitably he would, um, like, completely like, tip us, like, 200%. Like, just throw out <laughs> crazy tips. This is my favorite Sheed story ever. Just Sheed sitting at the bar. They would say he would drink, he would drink a light, like, a light beer. A light domestic beer and sit at the bar at Cheesecake Factory in Caesar's Palace waiting for his wife and over tipping the wait staff. And they were like, he would tell jokes and stories. It was awesome. We love Sheed. That was my favorite. Shaq was apparently a great tipper there. Oh, There's Shaq, been like a, Shaq told a story on TNT about tipping this year where yeah. like he, he asks, he said he asks waiters and waitresses what they think that they should be tipped, and then whatever they say, that's what he gives. Well, I guess he's egalitarian. Because <laughs> sure. Ernie, I forget the exact details. Ernie had mentioned that he once gave some like egregiously high tip because I guess the waiter answered like semi sarcastically that this should be the tip, and then he actually gave it. He actually gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Love to see the waiter's like reaction when that happened. Yeah, but you know what? Shaq, Shaq can afford to give whatever tips he wants. Shaq yeah, can afford to give a two hundred dollar, like a two hundred percent tip on a private plane. Like he is, he is, he is, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's not hurting yeah, for sure. He's fine. He's, he is not hurting for for cash. But man, oh, oh, that's that's gold. Yeah, I just I, my thing is like, man, come on! You just sound like you, you know. I get it. I I, I do get it. That's. I think a lot of guys like struggle with with those like societal norms a little bit because like when you're, it's also like when you're twenty, like when you're young, you don't really know this stuff. It, it takes you a little while, but I don't know. The veterans got to teach them better than that. You got to tip. That's important. You got to take care just for safety purposes. Just protect yourself. You got you got to tip. Just to just to avoid like this this situation. Yeah, and also to protect yourself from social media slander. That's, that's yes. the other thing. And like Andre Robertson, I will go on the record of saying Andre Robertson is a nice and uh, and and generous and thoughtful guy. He's not a person who would be like, oh, I'm giving $13 on this. Let me screw over the waiter. Like I'm sh- I, I just can't imagine that that was the situation. So uh, – and you know what? I'm happy about it just because it led to that, Steve, that incredible Stephen Adams tweet. I think that's a good way for us to end this. God bless Stephen Adams. No matter what, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, in the end, God bless Stephen Adams. <laughs> there you go. Stephen Adams might be the funniest player in the NBA. He's just – half the things that come out of that guy's mouth are just hilarious. Uh, what do you – I'm sure you're working on 400 different things right now. What What do you uh, What do you have to plug? Any? And I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast who's on Twitter already follows you. You're at HP Basketball. You tweet more than any person I have ever met in my entire life. 
what do you, what do you you also write a outrageous amount? I don't know how you do both so much, but uh, what do you what are you working on? I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of things to say. I got thoughts in my head. Uh, I am working on tomorrow on CBS Sports. I have a breakdown of how Gordon Hayward is going to fit with the Celtics. Um, I'll have stuff from Summer League. I have power rankings for the off season season coming on Monday. I have uh, a breakdown of the Philadelphia 76ers and how they're going to work next week uh, coming early in the week. And then in like two weeks, I'm going to have uh, top 25 free agents of 2018. So you can get a head start on how the Thunder are going to upgrade from their championship core of Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Great. I'm sure it'll all be awesome. I, I said this, I had Michael Pina on yesterday and Michael Pina and I have worked together and we've worked apart and he's one of the hardest working guys in the industry. Just so happens that on back to back podcast, I've got two of the genuinely like hardest working guys in the industry. Like Matt, Matt works just, so damn hard, it's uh, it's crazy, and I would say it's one of his best traits as a basketball writer, other than the fact that he puts out great content, so I'm sure you should check out those things. I'm sure they'll be great. I am on every Monday, Wednesday, Friday with the podcast, uh, and if anything else happens, it's crazy, you know, Thunder make a trade, they bring in somebody, whatever it is. I've done emergency podcasts now for, for, Patter, for the Patterson signing, for the Andre Robertson re-signing, and for the Paul George trade, so... We'll see what we set the bar at for what for what constitutes an emergency uh, an emergency podcast. But it, it's been set at a at a reasonable level, I think, considering I've done three after midnight so far this week, and uh, now it's actually after midnight. But this is this is just poor planning on our part. Uh, anyway, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at least, and maybe some emergency ones after that. You can now to iTunes, subscribe to Locked On Thunder. I want to also say thanks to the listeners. The podcast is like blown up like crazy this week during uh, during free agency and all that stuff. The listeners are just like through the roof. I've never had numbers anything close to this. So to new listeners, to the people who aren't the habitual listeners, I feel like I get a lot of return listeners usually. To new listeners, hello, by the way. This is like a real podcast and thing that you can listen to and continue to listen to if you like to. Uh, if you have questions or comments, you can always send me all of your hate mail at LockedOnThunder at gmail.com or you can just hit me up more directly at Fred Katz on Twitter, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. You can log on to normantranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. Check out Thunder Road, like I said at the top of the show, and you can follow team coverage, free agency coverage, everything else. All that stuff is right there. That's going to do it for today. Thanks for Matt, to Matt for coming on. All for the weekend, back Monday, unless something crazy happens. Until then, Lockdown Thunder is locking up. Thunder is locking up.